But I can tell you one thing. I mean, I did talk to one Muslim involved in the Prevent program now who who, had, who welcomed the Shawcross appointment. Um, they, they were all did equally you say- you, you you didn't come across. I didn't cro- oh, okay. come across anybody. Uh, there was one academic, a non-Muslim academic. But mm-hmm. in the six weeks that I was calling, I mean, obviously, I took we talked to a lot more. It wasn't just yeah. me talking. <clears throat> Our steering group was reaching out. Mm-hmm. But but what I'm saying to you is that we, I, I'm saying in six weeks, I I I, I didn't talk to one person who <laughs> who welcomed the short cross appointment or wanted to defend it. So clearly, you know, the government um, doesn't care what its own prevent uh, Wallace. Uh, pre- pre- prevent Wallace think Assalamu <laughs> alaikum legends we've got an interesting podcast for you today we finally got Yahya Bert uh, in the hot seat, mashallah. He's a uh, very, uh, I don't say very, but a senior brother uh, with a lot of history and a lot of stories to tell about the British Muslim scene. Uh, he's an academic, writer, father, and community leader of sorts uh, up north, I think it is. Um, he was part of, he spearheaded uh, the biggest and broadest coalition of, of Muslims in the UK. Uh, community since the Iraq war, mashallah. We'll talk about what that was about. We talk about uh, a bit of it about prevent. We talked about the challenges uh, and hurdles in building uh, unification of Muslims uh, in his recent uh, uh, joint statement that he uh, helped out in. We talk about Tarbia and we talk about his obsession with Marvel Comics. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, just a quick reminder before we jump in, please do click that subscribe button and hit the bell notification if you're interested in this kind of stuff. If you, uh, you know, agree, disagree with anything, want to get involved in the comments below, then please do let us know what you're thinking. Give us a like and a share if you do benefit from this podcast. And also please do consider subscribing uh, and donating, clicking this link somewhere. Um, to become a donor, £5 a month, you can do it. It's only 16p a day. Uh, without further ado, here's a podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How are you doing? I'm very well, Sheikh. Thank, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been meaning to have you on for uh, a while. But, uh, I know, I, thought... I was avoiding it for putting off as long as possible. <laughs> Unfortunately, just, you know, yeah. it was a kind of a pincer movement thing. I had no way to, to get out of it. So. Yeah, so I've, I've honed my skills over the years, you see. Uh, so I thought this, I mean... Uh, we, we do want uh, you know the audience to get to know you a bit more if they haven't already checked your Wikipedia page, which I did by the way, uh, <laughs> not to put you under too much pressure. I've got it open here in front of me actually. Written uh, almost entirely inaccurate, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it actually by. has a warning on the top. It says this article has multiple issues. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I have a kind of a rule of thumb, which is that you know if I ever start correcting my own wikipedia mm. page somebody has to put me into an <laughs> asylum basically like, i will have finally lost the plot so i, I just never t- i never touch it or look at it uh, yeah. uh but you know apparently it was it was um written um partly updated by one of my wife's colleagues who's an historian oh, okay uh, and he also did one of my wife and then she said look can you just take it down <laughs> it's embarrassing <laughs> But she's obviously always had more self-awareness than me. Um, so obviously my page is still up there. Mashallah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I do want to get to get to know you a bit more um, with all these uh, people watching, inshallah, as well. But uh, one of the, 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 the excuse I gave to get you uh, in here and through the door was uh, this um, this joint statement that you've been 
working on amongst a few other people uh, against the Shawcross-led prevent review. So uh, I read somewhere that you know the biggest and the broadest coalition between since the Iraq War. So, Marshall, congratulations! And uh, the phrase I wanted to ask you how it was the whole process of kind of running around and getting uh, you know different Muslim organizations and groups and stuff. Um, and individuals to to sign it. The phrase "herding cats" comes to mind. Was it a bit yeah, like that? Yeah, herding cats with the large feather duster. Um, <laughs> not very effective. <laughs> no, I mean I think that um, you know I uh, leaving aside trying to leave aside all the dangers of white saviorhood, which mm. is obviously a problem. Um, you know the way in which white converts are positioned. Yeah. Um, by themselves sometimes and sometimes by the community um you know Did you have to get ped- a few brown friends put, to- put, put, on, put, put on pedestals <laughs> you know uh, uh without due, without having paid their dues let's mm. put it that way um so um you know promoted beyond their capability and station let's mm. put it that way you know that's not necessarily a good thing for them or for the community who do yeah, that yeah. but leaving that all aside i mean i hope i've paid my dues over 30 years of, you know, working community. Um, what, what I felt was that the Shawcross appointment was a calculated insult to our community. Mm. Um, and uh, um, it's hard to think of the government appointing anybody more provocative. I mean, there's only probably a few more people who would be more <laughs> provocative than William um, Tom Shawcross. And Tommy Robinson. Yeah, but there aren't many. Let's say the list is not long. And um, what was disheartening was in the few weeks after that, the the, the lack of response from the community. And I I just was shocked. And I thought, are we, you know, so browbeaten, so demoralized Mm. that we can't even get our thing together for this? You know, it's just really, you know, we're being, we're being, if the government's like a steamroller, we were sort of saying, where do you want me to lie down? So you can flatten me, you know, and, um, uh, uh, you know, and this is a long process, a long process of trying to uh, discredit Muslim political activism, um, play a kind of game of divide and rule over a long period, 20 years. Um, You know, we're old enough, you and I, to remember the 90s, the naughty 90s, the nonconformist 90s, the radical 90s, where there were no rules, really. And we made all of our mistakes. Uh, we made many mistakes, but we didn't get slammed in the Daily Mail for them, mm-hmm. uh, which is what happened after 9-11. Um, and, you know, so we, we entered a different world after 9-11, but we, you and I are old enough to remember both uh, you know, what it was like before. And, um, uh, you know, we all, uh, all of us would have been tarnished as extremists, I think, if you just go back back to our back catalogue of the 90s, you know, you're going to find more than enough ammunition. Yeah. Um, that's not an invitation, by the way, uh, if any Daily Mail. Anyone uh, wants to update his Wikipedia is, page? Is, is, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I want to update my Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. That's not an invitation. Um, but, um, you know, so so I what I could see is that the uh, I could see the state demoralization. So I just thought, look, let me just, you know, you you yourself said, you know, when mm. it was on a WhatsApp group, you yourself said, you know, why don't we why don't we just have a Zoom call 
So I am really going to give you the credit for putting this coalition together. Oh, really? You, yeah, <laughs> because Mashallah. you said let's let's have a Zoom call, and then yeah. and out of I that, gave the idea that no one ever had in the history of this lockdown. Uh, yeah, no, uh, and out of that 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 innocent suggestion <laughs> of let's talk um, on Zoom, um, you know, we a process started. It took about six weeks. <clears throat> it took several weeks, and um, basically, the the first hurdle was to try and get all the groups involved in the prevent campaign itself mm. in who are like the, at the front forefront of the campaign against prevent uh to get them working as one um and that in and of itself is a challenge mm. because you know we have a lot of small to medium-sized groups um uh, which are occupying essentially the same space around islamophobia around prevent mm. Uh, maybe around Palestine activism, but they're kind of in the same campaign space, um, but they're kind of trying to appeal to the same sets of actors. Um, and so I think in that circumstance, they sort of tend to start to see each other as institutional rivals. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, cooperating is something that has to be arranged between them. Um, and... You know, the truth is, is that when we combine together our forces, our, our reach, our network is so much stronger. Yeah. Uh, when, when we're divided on these issues, we just can't get traction, even in our own community. So mm -hmm. it, it's really mm -hmm. important for us to combine our in, mutual influences, networks, you know, the trust that people mm -hmm. have placed in us. You know, we've all got different networks. But the only way you can kind of have a meta network is is to get everybody together. So we got a steering group together of the main actors and um, we decided to reach across the aisle and talk to people who who were actively working in prevent. Mm. Um, and we, I had some interesting conversations over the last month or so, but I can tell you one thing. I mean, I didn't talk to one Muslim involved in the prevent program now who, who, who welcomed the short cross appointment. Um, they, they were all you, you you didn't come across. I didn't cro oh, okay. come across anybody. Uh, there was one academic, a non-Muslim academic. But mm -hmm. in the six weeks that I was calling, I mean, obviously, I took we talked to a lot more. It wasn't just yeah. me talking. <clears throat> our steering group was reaching out. Mm. But but what I'm saying to you, so I'm saying in six weeks, I I I, I didn't talk to one person who <laughs> who welcomed the short cross appointment or wanted to defend it. So clearly, you know, the government um, doesn't care what its own prevent uh wallace uh, pre pre prevent wallace think okay um uh and mm. um that even they realize this is a disastrous appointment that they'll defend some of them might go so far as to defend it through gritted teeth but they're probably going to keep quiet mm. um and um so but but because of this we 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 got people who were working prevent to sign them support the boycott uh and, and what was new for the anti-prevent sort of uh, vanguard, if I can mm. put it that way, was that they're used to kind of having clearly stated a position of ending prevent. So I could call that an abolitionist mm -hmm. position. Okay, mm -hmm. so they've they've had a clear abolitionist position for a number of years. So they were unused to signing a statement that just said we're going to boycott the review because yeah. you know their primary message has been for years boycott prevent sorry end prevent, not yeah. just you know a review is a distraction, etc. Mm -hmm. etc. So that, that took a bit of getting people getting used to, to, to the other thing that which surprised me a lot was people um, 
are so focused on the government and what the government will do or won't do, or what the government will say or won't say. So, you know, from the beginning, when we decided that this is a pledge, we're promising, we're taking a pledge to boycott a review. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People kept describing it. Where do I sign the letter? They thought it was a petition to the government. They kept sliding back to the idea that we're writing an angry letter to the minister or we're sending a mm -hmm. press release of condemnation and outrage at this appointment. And so we're so used to operating a very narrow way yeah. in our activism that we've stopped thinking about other ways we can, you know, it's somewhat in politics, you have to turn back and you have to consolidate your own community mm -hmm. on an issue. You need to work on first in our community. You know, so the press release isn't, the press release of the announcement isn't about reaching out international press, which is very difficult to place for us nowadays. It's about consolidating our own community. And that the main sort of focus of this campaign, the mm. boycott is focused on our community because we want to, people to sign up and support the boycott. We want um, the government to know that, you know, that, that its review has no legitimacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of people said, look, you know, you still need to say what your issues are. You can't just have a negative. What's your sort of positive action? Uh, and obviously before we, you know, while we were putting this together, obviously the human rights organizations came out and boycotted and said, we're going mm -hmm. to set up an alternate review. So that became what we were talking about. And to be honest, you know, all those yeah. conversations are in very early stage. <clears throat> but I can say that the coalition is now talking and is now part of that effort. Peter People's review. Um, yeah, something, you know, look, we, we're calling it all different names. Mm. But basically, you know, this is one of the other things is that, you know, we're always thinking, well, if we don't have an official review, it has to look like a quasi-official review. So mm. let's throw a retired judge at it. Let's throw a QC at it or whatever and make it look quasi-official like a court. But Inquisition. to be honest with you, that is that actually what, what we want? Because the truth is, is that we, you know, for, for, for 15, 20 years, we've been talking about rights, human rights breaches of human rights, erosion of human rights, right? And and we've been using the language of rights, but maybe we need a different language. Maybe we need a language around emotion, around the, the children who are being threatened with being removed from their parents. We need to center the people who are being harmed by prevent. Yeah. And it's a human story. It's not just about human rights, it's about humans. <clears throat> I think we have to, we have to, if we did something like truth and reconciliation or a, a, a victim centered uh, commission, so a people's commission, so something, it's not, it's not lawyers mm. talking to judges or activists talking to lawyers. So all the stories, all the evidence gets third hand and it gets filtered through legal language. It doesn't appeal to anybody. It's just another yeah. report that can gather dust on the shelf. If we had something that centers the stories, and really brings them out properly for the first time because it's it's really difficult to get the press to cover these stories. Yeah. Seriously, I think there has to be a uh, there has to be a, a a range of approaches. You know, I mean, I've, I've obviously we've been at some time seeing myself personally, you know, dead against prevent from root to tip, um, from its from its underlying you know pseudoscience all the way to the 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 the, the harms that it actually leads to but i've always also criticized ourselves as a community in terms of our um the way we articulate it because i think we need multiple tracks you're very right in terms of bringing that human story alive and and um, linking the emotions um but i think sometimes you know i i always have this thing that 
there's always a, a, a delay between the, the 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 research, knowledge production, the lab bench, and policy. Well, in anything, whether it's um, you know drug policy or um, you know finance, finance, some financial kind of uh, uh, policy or whatever, that the people doing the research, they're way up there, and and policy is kind of lagging and catching up. And I think there needs to be multiple kind of angles uh, that we have to attack this uh, from. One has to be, in my opinion, kind of shortening that gap between the researchers looking at the empirically determined causes of, you know, political violence, terrorism, and so forth, and policymakers as well. Um, because one thing I learned from the, our case uh, against uh, Prevent and uh, the judicial review and stuff is that I think we give way too much credit to the government. The kind of the stuff I've seen, um, it it's, it resembles more kind of, you know, some kind of slapstick department, um, the office style kind of, kind of, you know, scurrying to just get something out, not not like some properly calculated and thought out kind of process and procedures for. My, my our barrister he said something really interesting as we were going into court. He said, "Salman, governments don't." Um, bring uh, or introduce introduce policies in result in, uh, as a result of research and you know thinking and planning and stuff. They introduce policies to be seen to be doing something, and that was like uh, you know kind of uh, wake up moment for me. So I think it's so important for the broader you know. Uh, emotions and 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 uh, the public opinion to shift, and I think Muslim community, mashallah, has to be commended because we, alhamdulillah, by the permission of Allah, um, we managed to turn the mood toxic against prevent over the years. You know, um, mm. organizations like Cage, for example, Prevent Watch, um, uh, in particular, you know, kind of going at it really hard and just and forcing the the public kind of discourse to turn against prevent and now it's described as controversial it's described as toxic by people in the media and stuff um and muslims have to be commended for that as well as well as everyone else who's been you know working hard at that but i think there also needs to be because if we when we focus on the the emotion aspect um too much without kind of balancing it with the the science so to speak then people can just come out and say, you know, oh, cook a bomb, cook a bomb. oh, that's just a, you know, a, a problem in implementation. We'll fix that. We'll fix this part. We'll fix that part. The terrorist house, or we'll fix this bit. That Abu, you know, the Abu Bakr on the back of the child's T-shirt. We'll, we'll we'll fix that bit in a future iteration. But I think attacking it from the root and saying, look, empirically, prevent is doing the exact opposite to what you would want to do if you want to reduce political violence in the first place, i.e. Prevent is actively making you less safe. You know, pulling the yeah, I mean, pulling the. I, I mean, I think a review, a people's review, would hopefully talk about the you yeah. know um, lack of empirical underpinnings <clears throat> to to the whole idea around um, pre-crime and. Yeah. Um, but my worry has been that we we've actually gone very in a very intellectual way. Uh, with all of that and I'm, I'm guilty of that myself as you know an academic um, in the past and 
Um, you know, but if we're going to kind of resonate mm. with our community and with the public, we need to find ways of making that those arguments connect emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and we, we've lost, we've become lost in a kind of intellectual argument without hitting the emotional notes. So I'm less worried now. I think we've gone too much the other way. I think what you're describing is, mm. I think we've lost um, the, the right emotional tone emotional intelligence to what we're doing mm. and that's why i think we need to rebalance that we failed to get across mm. uh, our pain and trauma it's being easily dismissed by prevent wallers uh, and they shouldn't be able to do that and that means we're failing to connect emotionally and it's not all to do with hostile media coverage although of course that's a huge barrier but what we need is a story that really cuts through that um and I think that a People's Commission mm. that centres the victims will help us to um, uh, help us to cut through, inshallah. Welcome, guys. Just a quick reminder: subscribe if you haven't already. If you're interested in this kind of stuff. Um, well, one, one one of the things that um, shocked me was in one of these meetings. Someone I can't remember who it was. Someone said that in terms of the wider society, prevent nobody wants to engage with it. It's 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 dead. You know, teachers don't want to engage with it. NHS staff don't want to engage with it. Higher education doesn't want to engage with it. But the only people that are propping prevent up are the Muslim Muslims that are engaging with it. Well, uh, that was a bit, you know, shocking to me. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, that, um, I think it's, 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 it's a good it's a good line, but yeah. I don't know how true that is because mm. we we have thousands of referrals coming from education and yeah. the health service and many other public sector bodies um but i mean so, they're forced to legally right no, in terms um, of it, it doesn't matter if you if you're doing it because you're worried that your school's going to get downgraded from outstanding to needs improvements or whatever because mm. implementing the prevent duty is one of the metrics that ofsted measures school performance by so yeah. You know, it's a, it's now a duty. Uh, you know, so they duty, have no choice. Duty you do through gritted teeth. <clears throat> Even if you do it through gritted teeth, or you do it as a tick box exercise. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, with a bad policy, uh, passive resistance of that kind, which is quite common, quite it's part of the resistance against prevent is institutional mm. uh, lack of buy-in and you know tick box. You know, it's not something they believe in, but they just go through yeah. the motions. So a lot of a lot of prevent if you like, is resisted in that very mundane way that never hits the headlines. Yeah. And you, we can't discount how important that is. But but the thing the thing is, is that there's still going to be zealous people who think it's a duty to, mm. to promote it seriously. We'll have cultural ignorance. You know, we'll have lack of cultural sensitivity, mm. which, which ends with the horrendous sorts of cases that, that get highlighted by in the Prevent Watch caseload and which they say and which you'll know is sort of the tip of the iceberg, you know. Um, mm. And so, you know, it's a, a bad policy. Uh, you know it's a bad policy when it takes very talented people to mitigate its harms. And I think some of the Muslim prevent practitioners are actually, that's what they're actually doing, okay, that they're trying to mitigate mm. a bad policy. But where they haven't got to, they understand that they're fighting the whole time against a system that's actually kind of rigged to create a suspect community and they're yeah. kind of ch chipping away at that one one case at a time instead of stepping back and saying this whole thing stinks and it doesn't work yeah. they haven't got there yet they need to be led by the hand out of that so what what, what I've, mm. my personal view in all of this is is that you know we we've gone into and i've contributed to that to myself the whole kind of like 
you know, the kind of um, the sellout kind of accusation uh, where we sort of say, oh, these new bunch of useless prevent wallers and, mm. you know, the gravy train and, and all of that. Uh, one of the interesting things I've had in, in the conversation is how much um, actually some of these people are quite agonized by the whole thing. Yeah. And what, what we actually need is um, we need to reopen the conversation in our own community, not in the campaign language, but just privately even, yeah, talking yeah. things through. I think we'll get a lot further that way because we've we've sort of uh, over the years we sort of manned the barricades and shouted at each other from across the picket line. If you know what I mean, mm. like scabs and, and <laughs> but we're not actually. <laughs> it's become very polarized, yeah. and we're not actually able to shift anybody's opinion. And there's loads of people on the fence who sort of say, "Oh, prevent it is rubbish," but I don't want to stick my head up above the parapet because I'm going to get called an extremist. You know, there's a mm. lot of the toxicity <clears throat> isn't just in the prevent itself, but it's around the campaign mm. that, 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 that what the prevent wallers and the, what, 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 what the daily mail and, you know, all this whole, what they've done is made being anti-prevent toxic as well. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a kind of, they've made it a, a high cost uh, and people like yourself know that for well, high cost reputational thing. So not many people are that happy to get slated as an mm. extremist mm. Uh, for spurious reasons. Um, you know, and very few people, you know, not that many people want to take that kind of high risk. So, so the thing is, the government obviously has made it difficult to campaign against Prevent, which is one of the whole problems with Prevent. You know, a good review, People's Commission, mm. would bring out these political problems. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had activists coming to me and telling me things like, look, we know, uh, you know, prominent, a really prominent nationally known Muslim activist uh, he's not ordinarily associated with Prevent, but a Prevent officer came to him and told him that, uh, look, if you stick your neck out too much about Prevent, we can throw, uh, we can make health and safety, um, yeah. you know, regulations, we can throw <clears throat> at your institutions in the, in, in the city, your madrasas and your mosques, and we'll just throw the, the, the legalese book at you. You know, there won't be any, you know, yeah. maybe they will be found that they've got some health and safety issues, but you know what I'm trying to say? This is a kind of... Kind of racketeering pressure. style. No, no, nobody's stuff. talking about that. Yeah. That needs to be... All the all the social media hounding of uh, prevent activists yeah. through social media by people who are paid by the government, all of that is wrong. Mm. And it needs to be called out. It needs to be totally unprofessional. And, and it needs to be called out. So there's so many things that we actually need to, but yeah. getting people to talk is is a big, going to be a big issue because people feel scared to talk. We have to have like a safe space where they feel that they can talk yeah. Yeah. safely and not be exposed. You know, even our activists, we have to protect mm. them. Some of the activists, even yesterday when we launched, there was there was an attack piece by Guido Forbes. <clears throat> and he yeah. left some of our, our spokespeople feeling very, very exposed and upset. And it does have a personal toll on people. Mm. It's not, you know, we can't don't have to go over the kind of macho resilience. Nothing affects me. I'm literal. Twenty first <laughs> century. It's all going to bounce hey, off well, me. Uh, nothing, nothing <laughs> impacts me. But people do get impacted. Yeah. So we have to recognise. We have to care for our people. As I think well, fear that it's having an effect. We need. We need to yeah. think about how to deal with fear in a mature way as well. Um, mm. I always, I always think about it like. You know what they? I don't know if this is true, but it's like an urban legend, maybe, that if you let a TV licensed person in the house, if you let them one foot in the door, 
then they're allowed to kind of roam around and look for TVs or whatever, or, or bailiffs or something like this. But if you just tell them yeah. to get lost, don't even open the door, don't let them in one one foot, they'll just go to someone else and, and, and follow the path of least resistance and try and get their things done that way. So I think a lot... Well, you know, I, I can neither confirm nor deny this, <laughs> this particular urban myth, given that my dad was... Yeah, yeah, I, I read that. ...my director Allah. general of the BBC. I, 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 you know, I've always paid my licence on time, and if anybody wanted to come into my house, yeah. they could put their foot wherever they wanted. <laughs> we'll put your uh, address in the description then. Uh, but, I mean, because you have examples like... Uh, Lewisham Mosque, Lewisham Islamic Centre, Imam Shakil, the Imam there, the brothers and sisters there, mashallah, very kind of politically astute and active, and they have a, a brilliant relationship with the community around them, but complete mm. brick wall against prevent yeah, and 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 CVE and any counterterrorism kind of uh, think anything that smells uh, counterterrorism like, and and the disc the, you know the discourse of war and terror and stuff. So they have a principled stance, and yeah, they're attacked kind of you know by the usual suspects, but they're, they're not shut down, alhamdulillah, you know, they're not, mm. um, we have this, um, many of us have this thing, that a, a legit, legitimate kind of pastoral duty to our organisation, to our masjid, to our madrasa, that we have to do our due diligence to obviously make sure it keeps running, you know, you don't want to just be mm. uh, just reckless, uh, you know, that kind of, um, that, that, that continuum between Coward and, and, and reckless person You know somewhere courage, A courageous person Shuja'a is somewhere in between there right mm. And it might be different In different contexts But at the same time We have to Kind of I think wake up Sometimes If we That we might be too Erring on the side of Kind of A, a false caution or a, or a misplaced fear When Prevent for example Has no business Going to a private organization. I mean, it's a public duty. It's for teachers, doctors, um, that kind of stuff. A mosque, you know, um, can just say thanks for you know the offer, but you know we're all right. Mm. And you know well, this well, this thing that the, obviously the home offices um, through you know various projects that it's supported over the years mm. has actually kind of tagged prevent training. Yeah. Two mosques under the guise of, you know, building security and 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 strengthening mosque mm. management and things, which a lot of things which are perfectly legitimate, mm. but they've sort of smuggled in this prevent agenda into the yeah. private third sector where mosques sit in this country. And as you say, they're not right. They're not. They're not bound by this public duty. But obviously, it's another discussion for another day. But obviously, the charity mm. commission has since 2014, in, in fact. You know, William Shaw in William Shawcross's time, yeah. actually did actually uh, start to um, develop a kind of anti-extremism set of policies yeah. uh, over the last several years, which we haven't really, I think, really dealt with as a community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We haven't really dealt with that issue. It's sort of been allowed to fester away, um, and it's one of those campaign areas where we've, yeah. we've failed. I think we to really make a mark. And I mean, so there's things that we have to do as an, as a charity. Right, you have to tick these boxes. You have to have some document that says this is our anti-extremism policy. Annoying as it is, some people just you know you have to get it done in order to just kind of carry on your business as usual. Mm. There's that side of things which is I, I agree, which is bad enough. We need to think of how to undo some of the damage of that. But what I'm talking about is we have this unhealthy obsession sometimes. Some of us 
that when somebody official looking in a suit turns up to the door, we kind of volunteer acquiescence. We kind of mm. go out of our way to say, "Oh yeah, please come in. Look, we 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 are such good Muslims and you know, everything's yeah. good and we have the football club for the young people and we have this and that." I think that that needs to be addressed, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. On a yeah. personal level or however it is. Yeah. That kind of, I think that is a toxic kind of almost belittling yourself. Um, and, but, and, but the, and the thing about Malcolm X, why Malcolm X is so important for us mm. here, is that you know he, you know he kind of uh, he, he said that in his work it wasn't about telling people that they were suffering and injustice; it was getting them to love themselves, mm. to respect themselves, for black people to respect themselves, and not to internalize the racism of the society that they faced. Mm. And, and I think we've internalized racism and Islamophobia, so that we, we, we see ourselves as inferior uh, and therefore we become compliant and internalizing that critique that we are actually moral monsters, mm. we are extremists, we are terrorists, we are whatever, um, you know, moral monsters, um, that we actually bow our heads uh, in, in a kind of meekness. Now, the thing is, is that the way to deal with that is not to shame each other. Yeah, I agree. That. I agree. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to, with, it's a question of love. And 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 self love, mm. I mean, so dignity. I don't mean egotism. I mean dignity, this <clears throat> inherent sense of dignity that everybody should have. First, as a human being. Secondly, as a believer, mm. inherent sense of dignity and honor, and 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 that's give, gifted by Allah to every human being. He's yeah. honored every human being, and there's the, there's the great honor of iman and faith. So so there's that, and that that has to be there. Uh, and I think, you know, we're good. Uh, a lot of our moral tarbiya is centered around actually knocking people down off their perches. So if they're <laughs> arrogant, they're overly arrogant, they're overly yeah. egotistical. I mean, in, in, in Sufism, in Tasawwuf, mm. in, in, in the tarbiya programs of the Salafis and, and the Ikhwan and others, the focus is on the egotistical personality who needs to be cut down to size. That's essentially the kind of model, the psychological mm. model. But actually, I see a different problem. We actually have to build people up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see I see under I yeah. see like there's a lot of acting out, people being like like play macho, like overconfident to mask a certain internal insecurity that mm. hasn't been addressed. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Acting out. Yeah. But actually the genuine confidence where you can just sort of just be. You know, I'm not seeing enough of that. Uh, and it's something we all need to work on because we need to build yeah. like Malcolm did with his people, <clears throat> we need to build people up. To stand, they need yeah. to love themselves so they can stand up for each other. And, that, that, and it does, that's, it's all connected, brother. That's what yeah. I'm saying to you. It's all connected. We can't, you mm. can't be an activist and protect community rights unless you're doing the business, the back end business of Torbia and, and, and love and building community and b building a faith community. Because if you don't um, have that, I mean, I'm just thinking of loads of examples of just people. If we have that insecurity, then we'll just have displays of and performances of look how Islamic I am or confident I am in my Islam and yeah. uh, and my Muslimness and uh, you know I'm we have the we we will we'll begin to you know operate on along this continuum of the more strict I'm looking, the more Islamic I am or the more you know um, that that harshly I refute someone. The more strong my own iman is going to be, or uh, uh, and and I see that a lot in in the social media space, Panala. Yeah, um, 
and I think it is. It's it's masking. For example, if somebody you see a Muslim do something wrong, right? That that's objectively identifiably wrong. Um, someone who's who has that self respect and that security in their own iman, they will approach that person in a particular way, right? But somebody who has some kind of insecurity in their own iman, they'll make a performance about correcting that person, you know. Mm-hmm. That they're, wow! Look how they're, they're leading people astray, and da, 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 and, and um, I'm just thinking of like examples like that. And it really is. I'm, I'm, we're always thinking how do we, how do we, instill confidence in the person, genuine confidence, such that when they approach these things, they don't kind of overreact or, or adopt this kind of, um, this scale of, the more kind of harsh I appear to be, and the more, you know. Uh, harshly, I rebuke someone. The stronger my man must be. <laughs> this know? is this is the opposite of the sunnah, anyway. Yeah. And the it, even yeah, when you see scholars, Prophet was said, "Gentleness is the rule." Mm. You know, gentleness, harshness is only in extremis when you know you have yeah. somebody who's a bit of a donkey and they they they, they take kindness for mm. weakness. It's exception, people, yeah. The exception. You know, most people understand kindness as kindness. There's only a few sort of people mm. who are. You know, completely out of control. Who think kindness is yeah. weakness? There are there are people like that in the world, but they're not the majority. Mm. And most people respond to kindness with kind with it well. They just respond to it yeah. well. Gentleness is the way. It is the first uh, mm. uh, route. Um, you know, a wav admonition is basically general to a general audience. You don't you, you know you don't name names. Yeah. You don't name yeah. and blame and shame. You you give people room to. Mm, yeah, the, the Imam Sabi's really talking about me, isn't he? <laughs> he gives them room to feel slightly, uh, you know, inside, but you don't shame them. Yeah, uh, because yeah. if you shame them, then they'll say, who are you to shame me? And it will all be about the ego. It, pol- it gets polarizing. It, 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 you, nobody will yeah. change. It'll just polarize the situation. But the point is with tarbiyas is to is nurture. It's nurturing. Yeah. It's the action of a mother, a parent to a yeah. child. It's, it's about care. So how would you man, imagine? Imagine if I'm a you know someone who's kind of working in prevent a Muslim who's saying you know what yeah we have to um, stop uh, you know terrorism uh, Islam is you know peaceful um, Muslims should be good but there's too much terrorism and that's why I'm working for prevent. How would you, in your kind and gentle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trademark yeah yeah but way? Oh, I've switched it off again. Sorry. Um, so um, I, just I, think, ran off. <laughs> I, I think that, I mean, that's, that, you know, I haven't had too many of those conversations, so I don't have a sort of pat answer off the top of my head. But, but what I would say is that it's really important to understand that prevent is about depoliticizing the Muslim. So saying that every, all of the, the problems with, with, you know, that are in Muslim lands, okay, are just about, um, religious tradition and bad psychology or bad, th- bad theology. And so if there are political conflicts, that's the way you solve them is some sort of psychologizing it or theologizing it. And that, well, that's what the prevent practitioner sort of does. The prevent practitioner cannot take a political approach. You cannot say, well, you know, we need to deal with the fact that, you know, there's an, a massive, um, uh, mm. uh, projection of violence, uh, into Muslim lands through, you know, drones and through, 
aerial bombing of various kinds, uh, invasions and so on. And this kind of violence, it produces uh, reactions. Um, and you're not talking about it at the level of conflict resolution. You're talking it at the level of individual psychology. And that's just bad psychology. Or, sorry, that's bad politics, mm. right? It's bad politics. Um, and so, you know, but, but by making the move to say that politics is out the quote-unquote what they call grievances, but, but by demeaning their political uh, quest for justice as a grievance, they already are immediately depoliticizing and saying your trauma, your history, your experience your family, your kin, your ummah, your connections, your history, doesn't matter. It's all grievance. Mm. So this is the thing, you know, the minute you kind of put the conversation into that domain, you've already disabled it because you can't have an on. You're no longer saying this is an honest conversation. You're saying this is a staged process. Mm. Uh, and that's what I would say. Um, that, that's not really truth and reconciliation. Yeah. Um, uh, and what that's why probably often these interventions, we've seen cases like the London, one of the more recent London bombers who had been on a prevent program and was being on an intervention and mm. radicalization program, and it, it still went out and killed people. Um, and, you know, so, I, I mean, you know, and there are lots of cases where prevent, obviously, uh, either intelligence services, been on the radar of yeah, intelligence yeah, services yeah. or, whatever there are so many cases i don't need to mention mm. but you know clearly it's not it's not because um you know uh, and it's clearly not because we we anybody thinks that prevent doesn't have a big enough dragnet yeah it's affecting thousands of people now yeah. um, you know it's a very the problem is it lacks precision not that it isn't big and wide and mm. all pervasive you know it's too big that's the problem sorry to bind guys well, what do you think so far? Agree? Disagree? Have something to say? Let us know in the comments below. Yeah, um, I mean, we all, many people who who kind of argue for prevent, they exploit a, a good sentiment within Muslims, and that is, you know, even one Muslim, you know, ho holding your yourself and your own people to a, a superior kind of moral scrutiny, where you're saying, you know, even one Muslim doing a crime is one too many. Um, from that perspective, yeah, that that's coming from a good place. For if you know, Imam is giving that kind of, you know, um, tarbawi message that Muslims should be, you know, all good and uh, that kind of stuff. But the, the context, the, the consequence is it's that 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 good sentiment is, is going to be used to exploit and uh, put you under an unfair scrutiny as a community. I mean, I always say when it comes to psych, like actual clinical psychopaths right i think we're we're underrepresented if anything i read somewhere that like one percent of all people just general in the population are going to be psychopaths you know okay. two to four percent are going to be sociopaths so you know incapable of empathy and stuff and if we're talking about three million muslims this is 10 years ago census we think we're thinking we're looking at thirty thousand. I mean, yeah thirty thousand. Muslim psychopaths wandering so, the streets. by where are you going with this? I'm worried. You so what I'm saying worried. is, if anything, we are underrepresented <laughs> when it comes oh, no. to our fair share of, of uh, you know, psychopaths. So if any, yeah. So if anything, Muslims should shouldn't feel that you know they, they you know there's some problem in the community that or that is 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 disproportionate to any other. 
um, because that's that's the kind of hook that they kind of radicalize you into into kind of being a preventable. I think that you know. Look I, mean, at, I don't think we should say that all terrorism experts say that no terrorist is 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 intrinsically mad. Mm. It's not a question of psycho. It's a political issue. It's not a question of psychoanalytics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. It, you, we don't need to psychologi- psychologize yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. That's a, that's the wrong move. Mm. It's a political, it always comes down to politics and, and solving things politically. I mean, the other thing I want to say, talking about solving things politically, is, is I want to talk about after we kind of got the, uh, the, the, the sort of established activist groups together for this coalition, we reached out to, yeah. um, you know, um, Broaden the net. a wider set of actors and got mosques and mosque councils up and down the country to sign up. And, one of the things I wanted to talk about was because, you know, like I, like you uh, in the 90s, I grew up with the kind of the, the, the beginning of the Salafi Dawah mm. and people telling me, asking me <coughs> aggressively, you know, uh, where is, oh, I was walking to the mosque, I remember one where time, is Allah? I got stopped by a couple of brothers and they said, ain't Allah, brother, Achi, ain't Allah. And I said, what do you, oh, oops, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> And, and so, and I was really innocent. I'd only been a Muslim a few years and I, I hadn't studied any theology and, you know, mm. I was just like, you know, got thrown in at the deep end. Anyway, so the thing is, is that, um, you know, uh, I, I think that a lot of the sort of Brelvi Sunni groups that we talked mm. to, they were very sympathetic about signing the, 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 the boycotts because they're no f- friends of Shawcross. But they said, look, you know, you know, Yahya, by kind of be honest with you, the thing is, is that these people who were trying to protect, they think were kafirs and bidatis and mushriks, mm. and they want us to protect their human rights, but we just, it's sticking in us because I feel like they don't love us or respect yeah. us. And do you think and there's do blood, feel that there blood. is a kind of, there's a, there's a presumption, there's a presumption that the support of Muslims mm. The reason why that support doesn't come because it's selfishness or worldliness or, you know, they just want to jump on the bone. But the thing is, we need to move to a position, I think, if we're going to build this alliance of something along the lines of no, no tech, fear, no prevent. Okay. <laughs> and so um, I'm putting this forward as a proposition because we need to actually do something about this, to do something about this mm. to heal uh, divisions and wounds, you know, because we all grew up with these kind of transnational religious movements, you know, importing their, yeah. uh, if you like, their, their conflicts, the theological conflicts into, yeah, you know, as yeah. part of the experience of Muslim communities developing here. Mm. Uh, I don't want to say for, foreign because it's very much part of the British landscape too, but let's say it started elsewhere, okay, and, and, and it's part mm. and parcel of our landscape now, but it doesn't necessarily fit the logic of the situation that we're in, if we're trying to build a united community, we yeah, do need to yeah. cross you know, truth, and re- truth and reconciliation in our community. Isn't going to be an easy process. It's yeah. not going to be. There's going to be some home truths for everybody, and and it's not going to be a comfortable process. You know, and I think one of the problems is is that you know if you're asking people, look, our civil rights are being going down down the tubes. Yeah. Our kids are being <clears throat> profiled. You know, we need to do something. Everybody recognizes that as a problem. It's just that I think that yeah. they feel there's got to be a little more given, given, give and take, a little more, a bit more honesty and rapprochement. Now, that doesn't have to happen. That shouldn't happen in public, but there has to be a way that it happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I call it truth and reconciliation. Let people speak their truths and then reconcile and have the kebab afterwards. Yeah. But let's get that out. <laughs> Because at the moment it's 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 ducked, 
Uh, people still remain in a state of relative lack of trust. And so when they come together for coalitions like mm. this, it's very temporary. So you know what I mean? It's a very temporary thing yeah. based on a kind of a greater evil, if you like, they realize, but it's not actually building community. It's yeah, just a temporary yeah. al- political alliance. But one reason why I've joined the AN Institutes where I'm a research director is because I'm very interested in this processes of, of, of unification, of community unification or, or building solidarity mm. and so on. And I honestly think it's not all, a lot of it isn't about theology or, you know, big questions like that. It's much more practical things. And it's also a set of skills as, as in the, you know, mm. our activists are actually, we, we kind of got a kind of market kind of Islam where we're, you know, come Ramadan, everybody's going to be fighting for the same slots on Islam channel. You know what I mean? For On Islam <laughs> channel, everybody's fighting for the 70% they're going Competi- to raise during Ramadan. And it's very competitive and you're competing on the same ground or Islamophobia, tackle Islamophobia or give dawah or whatever it is. It's basically the same, mm. the same kind of appeal uh, with some theological variation in it. But what we're not doing is we're not building a, a broader base where we can actually think strategically about some of the mm. questions that we need to deal with because we can't do that in a very hyper-competitive market. In a hyper-competitive market, we can only go down to the lowest common denominator yeah and we can't yeah. actually deal with some upstream issues as a community you know um that everybody ends up gravitating saying we're going to campaign against islamophobia you know and so you know that so what would you what would you say are some with, of the higher upstream things example wise well i think what one of the things we need is that we need to build uh alliances between our business class and uh, to develop our calf endowments mm. which mm. can fund sort of the core functions of community yeah. so we have a, a professional core yeah a small core uh, managing an army of volunteers so volunteerism has to continue it's a proud community tradition right but we need to shift the culture so we have a we have continuity in what we're doing so things mm. like you know obviously like the organization of Halmi, of islamic education of masajid but then you get to things like political representation, political advocacy, and things like that. Yeah. Um, th- th- they've got to be funded independently, uh, and certain mm. certain certain forms of service provision where we that's that's directed more towards our community needs and mm. not general social welfare needs. So there, there's a core of activity, including our Muslim third sector, that has yeah. to be fundamentally the backbone of it has to be privately financed. Because yeah, what happens yeah. is we, we, we mm. get, we're going to get dragged into things like prevent a BSBT, building a stronger Britain together funding, uh, which is linked to anti extremism attached. Yeah, mm. but the strings will be there because mm. you want to do raise literate, as the Bradford Literature Festival did a couple of years mm. ago, want to raise lit- literacy amongst women. I've got no problems with that if they want to uh, uh, get more <laughs> English language classes. There's always a bigger demand for English language than there's mm. actually provided. Yeah. yeah surprise surprise everybody wants to learn english they just mm. you know don't have the means to do it so the thing is what i'm saying is that should it be linked to counter extremism that's got to go back into its yeah. relevant funding right and you know this is one of the things that prevent anti-extremism has sort of tarnished a lot of laudable work yeah um, because austerity cash-strapped organizations so you know part of us becoming self-reliant would be to build these old calf mm. over time in a strategic way so that we can become build the backbone of our community yeah. structures in a more sort of uh, sustained way. That's what I mean by an upstream issue. That's excellent. At the moment, we've really... got lots. 
startups that are competing on this with the same basic message appeal. Yeah. Uh, and to coalesce, we'll need to overcome the legacy of the kind of radical 90s kind mm. of uh, hot sectarianism that has sort of cast a pall over our community life today and has been securitized by the state and used mm. to divide and rule us. You know, mm. good Sufis, bad Salafis, you know mm. what I mean? All that kind of stuff that's been weaponized by the security industry. Mm. So we, if we don't disable that internally, we can't disable it politically externally. Absolutely, yeah. If yeah. you think that, yeah, we'll just have mm. a human rights discourse, a human rights discourse will heal our internal divisions. It's not going to. You need extra, mm. you need the special source, brother. On that. <laughs> You need the masala mix on the, on the yeah. internal, brother. You can't just put it all on the yeah. Yeah, Islamophobia champ. Yeah. After the marinade. Yeah, you need the special marinade, the barbecue, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, Jamaican jerk chicken, yeah. I don't know, whatever it is you make, brother, but you yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear you think thinking on that, um, you know, levels. I'm always happy to hear people thinking strategically and, Looking at Awanqaf, for example, there's a few projects that I can think of that are laying the foundations for a genuine kind of independent uh, um, enterprise and industry-led, you know, uh, waqf system. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to have, a, there's NWF National uh, Waqf Fund, I think, that they're starting up. And um, another brother who we'll have on, on soon, inshallah, Usman Qureshi, he's been doing a lot of research and looking at models of uh, sustainable models of community kind of funding from other other kind of uh, faith groups and stuff in different countries. We'll have him on soon as well, inshallah, to discuss that. Um, but on on the issue of of the unification and the unity angle, I mean, I'm really we're really keen. I mean, it's one of our values and principles at Islam Twenty One C. Something we, we've uh, kind of inherited from our teachers. Um, people like Sheikh Haytham, for example, who gave his salam to you, by the way, when I messaged Welcome him earlier. <laughs> um, he, you know, that it's one thing to say, okay, you Muslim, two Muslim groups, for example, you kind of disagree with one another, but work together on this common thing that you have. And we'll get somewhere with that. But the real um, work is to actually get them to see each other as as one in the first place right mm-hmm. um and our our one of our ways that we do that is to try and actually change the way we talk about certain things and it's not like a you know some heretical thing that we some some new innovation that we're bringing in it's actually you know it's it's there from our tradition this is how uh, leaders and imams kind of tried to make people look at things in many different occasions so for example just in our language when we talk about something like you know, um, having having a bath on Jum'ah, Ghusl Jum'ah, right? Mm. In a very kind of, uh, in one way, when when people talk about it, they just jump into the, okay, this is difference of opinion. Some say it's wajib, some say it's uh, mustahab, right? It's, it's recommended. So that kind of discourse is automatically set a, a kind of fractured uh, picture in your mind that there's a difference yeah. But w- what we're trying to push is Say, look, everyone, the whole ummah agreed All the schools of thought agreed That it's at least sunnah Or it's something good It's something rewardable right? Mm-hmm. So you're describing the same stuff And the same kind of substance But in a more unifying way, discourse right? And I think the same can be done with 
and so there is still going to be some difference you can mention afterwards you can say you know everyone agrees it's at least sunnah and then there's a, a circle outside that some people say if you don't do it you'll be sinful okay just saying it that in, in that way instead of starting off with different opinion opinion one opinion two and i think similar can be done with muslim groups and and schools of thought and so forth and i know historically you keep saying i remember the 90s but truth be told i was a, a youth back then so <laughs> uh, maybe i look much no, older I'm than i really am to, uh, it's just my own insecurity brother you know i'm trying to maybe i look much older than i really am <laughs> but yeah i remember the 90s uh, <laughs> not i'm watching sesame street nice <laughs> but uh yeah i mean there, there there is there is there are scars that need healing and, well, and, and you've fixing. heard of them then yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh so dim memory yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i think there was big bird and and bert and <laughs> uh but yeah i mean right 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 so-called rival groups right they're at each other's throats if we actually try and get them to see that those things they agree on are far bigger and more gravitas than those things that they disagree on not to kind of delete the the differences altogether but just to actually look at the relative weights right so where is allah this question some people might disagree on right fair enough it's it's legitimate kind of debate whatever that's been happening but should you worship allah yes or no right is is he the only object worthy of your worship and your devotion and your love etc etc you know do is he the one that we glorify right mm-hmm. so these things those two groups will agree on but they'll focus on the bits that they disagree on what what we're trying to do is get people to focus on the bits you actually agree on not for just the sake of political expediency or so you have a louder voice but genuine, genuinely so your hearts will be kind of united on wait a second who Allah is is far more important than you know mm-hmm. the questions about his i.e. the 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 core function of tawhid right the core elements of tawhid are more important than how you talk about tawhid for example how many categories or this way or that way or uh you know how you, how you talk about names and attributes and so forth they they those are in, important in in a kind of you know to preserve an intellectual kind of tradition or whatever but actually doing tawhid actually you know you 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 both all these groups you know they're united on the fact that the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is our example that's a huge thing right mm-hmm. and not just for like i said signing a statement together or you know you have a common enemy so your frenemies <laughs> no no yes, you're exactly, actually brother yeah. you're the same thing right and and we've internalized this kind of divide and rule like like you mentioned or um well, this, we had those divisions level. already but the yeah. thing is the truth is that they're weaponized aren't they again mm. and politically weaponized and and but the thing is to say that they they weren't created by that were they they already pre-existed and you know you have yeah. to recognize that we have as i said special masala sauce to put <laughs> to use on the internal yeah. it needs separate attention you know we can't just do all the heavy lifting through mm. anti-somophobia campaigns. Now anti-somophobia is not a co- community building. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's just campaigning. I mean the campaign just, for it's just like anti-racism is not mm. going to build. 
uh, a beautiful society. It's just forbidding the evil, but, but you have mm. to join good as to, you know, yeah. um, you know, after, after the negation, there's the affirmation in the Kalima. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Muslim always moves from negation to affirmation. You know, that's in the DNA of our, our religion, yeah. of our deen. You, you know? have to build um, that. You have to be that Nick Fury character. <laughs> what a segue yeah. that was. <laughs> that was. That was terrible. <laughs> we have to have a Muslim, Muslim Muslimics assemble kind of a... <laughs> Right. So what basically, you Yahya was saying le- earlier on that he's he's a huge Marvel comics fan. So that was my attempt at <laughs> at bringing that into the, the, the my, discussion. My mum's American and yeah. uh, uh, lived here for many decades now. But uh, you know, I, I I was trying to connect with mm. my American heritage, and I had family there. So there were different things in you know, music and mm. film. Uh, but one of those things was comic books. So I, I was a big collector of comic books when I was a kid. Wow. And uh, I even, I've still got it. I, I mean, the comics disappeared years ago, but I've still got a, uh, upstairs, I've still got a picture, a comic book strip of Spider-Man that was inked and penned by John Romita and written by Stan Lee. And it's got, uh, got John Romita's signature on it. Um, wow. So I've h- held on to that, but obviously, you know. How much do you reckon the, it's worth? Yeah, I have no idea. But the, the, the MCU has been a kind of a, you know, a, a kind of a real nostalgia trip for mm. me, I have to say. My kids. So just, just for the, the, the pious people watching, what's MCU stand for? Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my kids are hoping that I'll grow out of it. <laughs> my teenage kids. Yeah. Said, Dad, you know, it's not very emotionally... It's not very emotionally intelligent, is it? It's just maybe they're just talking about you dressing up as Spider Man on the weekends. No, no, I mean, I think that they're they're despairing of me. They're the ones who've grown up, and you know, I'm the one who needs looking after uh, in my dotage. Um, so yeah, it's 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 all all fun and games in our house. Um, but yeah, uh, the secret's out now. Uh, <laughs> so. If anyone wants to uh, join uh, Yahya in his cosplay, wh- when do you do it again? Every first, Just every, every every other Thursday. Every other yeah. Thursday, yeah. You go to the local <laughs> park dressed up as superheroes. Salamakum, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Last reminder, I promise. Please do remember to donate five pounds a month to help keep Islam Twenty C unscripted going. If you're into this kind of stuff. <laughs> Mashallah. Uh, I mean, I'd like to carry on uh, picking your brain more. But especially about the Marvel comic stuff, but uh, I'm wary of the time. I can see behind you a, a conspicuously placed clock in the frame. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I told you we'd be done uh, by uh, twelve. So, uh, I mean, I, I want to ask just one last question. Yeah, if that's if you'll allow me. Uh, it's not the question short, but I appreciate the answer might not be. So feel free to rush it or just refuse to answer it flat out. I usually ask this question to our senior kind of guests, our brothers and Shaykh, um, and you are, uh, I think I'm five years older than you, uh, Islam-wise. You said you've been Muslim for 30 years. Mm. So I'm 35, uh, alhamdulillah. So, uh, but you obviously have more um, recollection of the, the ups and downs and the, you know, the lessons that we can learn from the last 30 years. So my question to you is, 
what would you what advice would you give your younger self apart from hold on to those comics <laughs> yeah yeah i could have cashed in couldn't i yeah um i think that i would say to my younger self that uh, islam is an ocean uh with great depths and enter one step at a time, um, build on what is ab- obligatory um, and become consistent in that uh, and, uh, and don't worry about all the, you know, the extras, if you like, or the supererogatory things, um, the, the esan of the religion. Because even if you, in this day and age, even if you uphold the fundamentals of Islam, mm-hmm. that in and of itself is something when you know if you <clears throat> islam is much is more than, much more than the five pillars but but that's you have to start with the basics mm. and <clears throat> even the basics have great depth to them there's no end to the meaning of prayer of your salah so if the fundamentals are right inshallah the rest will will, will be solid and the most thing most important thing is steadfastness is 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 consistency and regularity so that that i would say that's the first thing the second thing is i think that um um i would have said to myself that um um and i didn't it took me many years to understand this that that uh, islam is universal islam can come in any cultural package yeah it, now, what, 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 when I as a this is specifically the sort of um, story of converts, I guess, in a mm. way. But but when people uh, want to teach you Islam, they as they give you the best of what they know. So they give you the, the Islam that they learned in childhood, mm. and that Islam is in a kind of cultural, historical, religious package where everything is brought together seamlessly. That so that gift they give to you, they give you the best that they know of. Okay, mm. and it's an act of love that they give it to you because it's the best that they have. So, uh, but but that gift they gave me, that f- package of form in which they packaged Islam, it wasn't for me. I had my own work to do. So, so, so and anybody to be well, I wore a shawakamis <laughs> for years and wondered why I was so freezing the whole time. <laughs> You know, so I tried, I did all that cosplay. We were talking about cosplay earlier. I mean, I did all of that because I was told that that was closer to the Sunnah. And the Sunnah is a universal model of, of, of the, the Prophet as a universal exemplar, the universal model of how to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Yeah. So, so I was being told that this universal model came in a Pacific sort of package, but that was a package that was introduced to me. And I'm not knocking that because yeah. I'm saying to you that was given out of love. It wasn't given out of hate mm. or, you know, and also there's this whole thing about, you know, British culture, it's a sort of scourge of all evil. It's the, you know, secularizing and it's going to take our religious kids away from Islam and they're going to become more secular. They're not going to care about, um, uh, uh, mm. you know, the, 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 the Dean anymore. Um, so, so you know, when when I first became Muslim, there was a lot of that around that you know, stay away from all things British. Um, I mean, things have changed so much in thirty years. Now you've got whole two generations of growing up in Britain and made their own forms of Islamic expression that's British, 
right? But that that process has been quite um, it's been quite below the radar. Mm. It's not really been discussed enough explicitly, and I think it needs to be. Yeah. Because now we're seeing other problems, like people think that, you know, being a good businessman, having being a, an efficient business manager or using personnel language or using, you know, kind of business leadership models is the way that you run an Islamic organization today, <laughs> the way you do Tarabia. Yeah. So you know to me, it's a kind of it's business fun, speak that's sort of filtered into the younger generation. If it's not more. a cognitive, consciously done process, then you'll get lots of leakage. Online. I think in that the, I think the, the the reckoning with that always comes later. People just jump in, j- jump in at the deep end and just experiment. They don't give it a lot of thought because the things end of the day, the idea that cultural change is led by the ulama and by the deities and all these people, it's not. It, mm. They're responding to big shifts within their own communities. Yeah. And we were basically responding to that. We're not driving that, those changes. We're responding to the changes and trying to make sense of them and the ones that mm-hmm. we think are okay and the ones we think are a bit dodgy. And we're having that discussion. But that only, only happens afterwards. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Before. We never sort of anticipate these things. Um, so, But I, I think that a lot, of, a lot of stuff's going on at a deeper level and sort of beyond how people appear and how they dress. We're talking about people's sort of mentalities. Mm-hmm. There's a very, you know, the old sort of values that when I first became Muslim 30 years ago about tawakkal, about zuhud, about simplicity, about solidarity, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, the, the values I learned three years into Baliki Jamaat, you know, I see those sort of values disappearing. Um, and, and, and and it makes me really sad because those are like fundamental <clears throat> core Islamic values. Yeah. Uh, we need to try and hold on to some of those or at least make sense of them in in a, in a new way. Mm. Um you know, and so I would say to my younger self, you know, that, that you know, I, I didn't have to uh, cosplay in somebody else's culture <laughs> to be a good, <laughs> to be an authentic Muslim. Yeah. I, I, but it was much harder for me to figure out what Islam would look like for me personally. And but that's my jihad. Yeah. That's my jihad or my jihad. That's just my struggle. It's not, I don't have to burden anybody else with that. Um, because everybody else is going to have their own versions of what that means, and they're going to have a beautiful synthesis with what their parents gave them, mm. which is fine. Everybody's doing their own version of that. I'm not. I'm not trying to be prescriptive. You know, let's let's follow Sheikh Abdullah Quliam. He showed the way, and you know, that's it. Do your maqalit to him, and you know, you have to have these strange um, hymns that he did that we have to <laughs> sing that in every mosque. No, it's not about that. Um, but you know, it's 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 just about, as I said, I would tell my younger self, relax, you'll get there. <laughs> but you know, on the other hand, that should have no regrets, right? Yeah. Everything is a learning curve, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Allah's tarbiyah of you, exactly. Oh, yeah, bro. Um, our next, uh, we have to speak again, inshallah, when uh, when you publish your book, which is coming out soon. Um, uh, is it on Abdullah Quilliam, right? Uh, uh, sort of. It's 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 a it's the first uh, travelogue written by a Muslim intellectual about the Britain's first mosque community, oh, okay. which was in Liverpool. It was founded by Abdullah Quilliam, but it's, it's about the community as well, mm. not just about okay. him, Excellent. which is mainly working class converts mm. and, and Muslim seamen, you know, Lascars who came to Liverpool and stayed for six months Ashana. and then left. And, you know, there's amazing cast of characters in, in the travelogue. So it's a fantastic book. It's very witty. It's very acerbic. It's a great read. And we've done a big analysis of it as well at the beginning. And 
And yeah, I, I think it's worth having a separate session on it because it's a really yeah. fascinating book and probably best if you read it, a bit of it maybe yeah, before yeah, yeah. you interview me next time. So. Yeah, you had me at Muslim seaman. It's <laughs> the first time anyone's <laughs> ever said that on the podcast. <laughs> so on that, bon- on that bombshell, uh, I'd like to bid you adieu. Uh, thank you very much for... Uh, You're still at the playground, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's an insight into the... the the mind of Salman. Uh, <laughs> let you go now. Zakmullah okay, Khairan. Take care, very, very right, grateful for you uh, for care. joining us. Assalamu alaikum. And assalamu alaikum to you as well at home. Uh, if you enjoyed that podcast, leave a like and a share. If you made it this far, well done. Mashallah, you're a legend. Let us know in the comments uh, what you think as well. And uh, just a reminder as well to uh, subscribe and hit that bell notification if you're into this kind of stuff. Uh, if you dislike this podcast, press the thumbs down button twice. And uh, also consider donating to Psalm 20 Unscripted. Um, £25 a month. We believe you can do it. Uh, that's all from me. Zakumal Khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.